from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit providing hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction of any kind, or those searching for a better way to live. Rich and Susan Collenberg found freedom from drug addiction and alcoholism over two decades ago. In the series, The Temple of the Mind, they examine the Beatitudes, the Lord's Prayer, and other Bible passages to show how God uses His Holy Word in the events and trials of life to prepare hearts and minds to be the temple of His Holy Spirit. Take every thought captive now on Freedom to Choose. Thy kingdom come, thy Hello, everyone. My name is Rich Collenberg. And my name is Susan Collenberg. And we would like to welcome you once again to Freedom to Choose. And we are on program number two of our new series, The Temple of the Mind. And today, this program is entitled, Blessed Are the Poor in Spirit, as we start to get into the Beatitudes um, and I'm pretty excited about this series. Susan looks like she wants to say yes, something. Yes, and here. we still have new music. We still <laughs> have new music. So yes. when you um, when you're doing this uh, for the longest time, we had one one song that was our lead in, and then um, Rich had another song that he composed and written and help singing and everything and then now we have a new one and yeah. so it's a little bit takes a little bit getting used to yeah, but it, I like it, and it it's an arrangement of the Lord's prayer that that JK Northrup and myself put together and uh, we're pretty tickled about it we're also going to we're working on a song uh on John 3:16 and of course another song Love Never Fails 1 Corinthians 13 they're all going to be on a new album that's coming out and we're really excited about it and uh, praise the Lord. He just kind of leaned things in that direction. Uh, well, I think that, um, you know, for so long when, um, a little bit about our backstory, for so long when you get clean and sober, before you get clean and sober and rock and roll and um, all those other drugs and everything else that that, that actually rule your life um, are gone once you get clean and sober. So you kind of put all that stuff aside but I think that God provides individuals with talent. And so for the longest time, I know that Rich didn't um, play and, and, and didn't participate in music, but I know I'm probably a little bit biased, but being his wife and all, but I believe that God has given you the creative um, energy and the creative thought to create some beautiful music. And so I'm just thankful to see how... Um, God can take something that um, used to be um, maybe harmful or or used to be something that, that you enjoyed. That take me away. Yeah, that took you away, and now it's bringing you back into, it's, it's a phenomenal, it's been phenomenal to, over the last couple of years to watch your transformation because of the music. Music's very powerful, and being creative in music, and, and um, especially with an addiction background, a lot of my songs have to do with 
recovery and what's happening in the mind and the right. relationship with God. And, and you know, the other thing too is as you grow older, there's there the one of the best things to keep your mind sharp and healthy is to have um, is to do creative things to to have new um, creative outlets. And so, music is something. That is really good. I myself am not musically inclined. Yet, not yet. I'm gonna I'm gonna be well. teaching her the guitar. Well, that's what started it off. Was right. Was uh, I wanted to keep my mind sharp, so I went out and I mm-hmm. started remembering some songs. And I thought, you know what, this is hard work remembering what comes next. And then when you write a song and go in to record it and trying to remember and remember and. You're really working your mind, and then of course your eye-hand coordination. And the next thing you know, I'm thinking. Wow, I actually feel way better. I feel more creative. I feel sharper. Uh, music is very powerful. It is, and even just you know, if it's not music, if it's another type of a hobby like that you enjoy, there's um, you know, painting, it, right? As right, because even puzzles, you know, as we get older, we we tend to not physically exercise as much, and not only that, but our brains kind of start to not get as much exercise yeah. as when you were a little kid. You were always learning something. You yeah. were always, you know, trying something new. And then as you get older, that activity stops. And you know what? It's one of the things that's going to keep you young and your brain healthy is to do things that um, that you enjoy doing that exercise those brain muscles yeah. and chemicals and yeah. keeps us young. Yeah. Yeah, so we're really excited about this series, The Temple of the Mind. Like I say, this is program number two, so we're just sticking our toe in the water. Susan, before we get going, would you uh, open with a word of prayer, please? Yes, loving Father in heaven, we uh, are grateful that we have been given the opportunity today to um, have our minds changed into being more like yours. And uh, we just ask now that as the Holy Spirit um, does his thing, that um, we would be open, that our hearts and our minds would be open to change and to to be molded into to be people that uh, rightly represent you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, you said something really interesting in that prayer, that the Holy Spirit does his thing. And what is that thing that he wants to do? He wants to transform our hearts and our minds from a selfish, vengeful, fearful person, fearful character, to an altruistic, healthy, unselfish person. That's what the Holy Spirit's job is, is to bring that peace. Right. So I, you know, when you were saying that, my mind instantly went to the garden. Mm-hmm. Because when Adam and Eve were first created, okay. they had peace. Yeah. They had trust. They had happiness. They had exploration. They, everything was in a state of homeostasis. It was harmony. Exactly. Everything was harmonious. And it wasn't until the enemy, who is the opposite of the Holy Spirit, the enemy came in and sowed seeds of doubt and distrust. Distrust. Don't trust God. Right. You won't surely die. Right. And so we From they, that point on, they we've broke, been trusting ourselves. Yes, they <laughs> broke trust with God. And so when God came you know, just like if I broke trust with you, I would not be able to look you in the eyes. So they broke trust with God in that garden. The next thing you know, they're blaming each other. They're blaming God. And they're, it, hiding, they're, they're hiding. They're hiding. They're covering. They're, it's right. just not pretty. When we break trust, see, everything that is not of trust, of Paul says, everything is not of faith is sin. Everything that's not of trust. Mm-hmm. You know, when you it, sin is a breach of trust. Right. Is what it is. 
when when I commit, if I was to commit sin against my wife, it would be a breach of trust. When I commit sin against my my God, it's a breach of trust. Right. And so God is trying to, we everything ha- he can to, earn to that, try to bring us back into the fold. Into trust, he's because, trying to earn that trust back, and he's done nothing wrong. Right, because we're the ones that have gone astray. We're yeah. that sheep that has gone out of the fold. That has said, "We're going to do it our way. Yeah. I'm going to look for the good someplace else," mm-hmm. and and distrusted the shepherd. Mm-hmm. And it what it has brought is generation after generation of pain and, and yeah. So, so we're gonna yes. we're gonna unpack the beatitudes one at a time. We're gonna look at the Lord's Prayer in a uh, in a couple of uh, programs from now, uh, and we're gonna talk a little bit right now as we open up what character and addiction and what they what they mean to each other. And we spoke a little bit about it last time. Strong character is an unfa- unselfish, unafraid character that does not need outside medication and and is and is does not have addictive tendencies. A weak character is a selfish and fearful character that needs medication, that blames others, that that has a heart full of blame. And so character has a whole lot to do with addiction, and character has a whole lot to do with your peace, with your relationship with God. and With so, your relationship with others. With others. And so as we look at the two... Um, types of addiction. There's two types, substance and behavioral. And as we look at them through the lens of the Beatitudes, which Jesus is talking about uh, to his to the people there, he's, he's talking to them almost in a foreign language to them because he's addressing the spiritual nature. And, and the spiritual nature is that which must conquer that carnal nature in order if we are to live in peace. So... Um, when when we're going through the Beatitudes and we're talking about the temple of mind, Jesus is basically illustrating character traits that don't incur guilt. Right. See, when you have character character traits that incur guilt, you move farther and farther away from God. When you did when you did drugs, did you do healthy things or did you do bad things? Bad things. And when you do bad things, what do you do? You more incur bad things. more bad things because <laughs> you incur guilt. And you get farther and farther away from God. Right. The farther away we get from God, the more bad things we do. The more guilt we incur. The farther we get away. Jesus is teaching them through the Beatitudes here on on how to get closer to God. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's totally foreign because they wanted a Messiah to come and annihilate the Romans, and he's saying, "No, I want to annihilate that carnal nature in you." Right. So, Susan, what is so important about character? So it's um, you know our character is going to display what spirit resides on on the throne of our hearts, right? Um, because ultimately we are supposed to be the dwelling place of God and God does not force his way into places he's not welcome. Mm. First Corinthians 3.16 says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? That in that, I don't know that we realize how important that little phrase there in first, first Corinthians 3.16 is. That's the key to the whole thing. Do you want God to live in you or not? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Do you want to be that close to him? Well, I think that the other thing is, too, is that if God doesn't dwell in your heart and your mind, then something else is dwelling yeah, there. There's, yeah. If, if, if it's not 
Satan and the evil one that you've given yourself completely over to evilness. It's still your own carnal nature that causes pain in your life and other people's lives. Mm -hmm. And so God is trying to say, you know, there's two choices. Ultimately, there's two characters to choose from. And I'm just trying to show you, you know, it always... Um, it, it's weird because especially in these modern times, everything that's not good for you is flipped around to say it's good for you. Yeah, it's glorified. Exactly. And um, and so it causes us to come each day confused about where our place is. Yeah, and, and, not, and we lose the capability to understand how reality works. And we lose the capability of listening to God's still small voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so we're the the world right now just it, it's it's um it continues to get closer and closer to that place of of um of of not operating on God's plan. Mm-hmm. And God is trying to say, "This is not the way I plan." Because man, that's the whole thing. People say, well, "You believe in God? How can you believe in God? Look at the world." Yeah. Yeah. You know, you this can is see his it's, world, it's re- right? It's reaching critical mass. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's about to explode. Mm-hmm. So, so why are the characteristics described in the Beatitudes so contrary to our nature? Our okay. Nature? Well, because human nature runs on fear. Fear of being caught, fear of being exposed, fear of not measuring up, fear of what others might say. And it goes on and on and on and on. And with all this fear, we act out. In uh, very similar ways. But God is what? He's perfect love, and perfect love casts out fear. fear. And when there is no fear, we don't act like, quote-unquote, normal people. Jesus didn't act like, quote-unquote, a normal person. He didn't want to get even with the Romans. He's not normal. He's going around talking about spiritual things and cleansing my mind. He's not normal. And. And I think just in every, he never took more than what he needed. And mm-hmm. he was always about giving. He was always thinking about the other person where our world today teaches us that you have to be number one. Oh, yeah. Because no one's taking care of you. Yeah. He's talking to a Samaritan woman. He's not normal. He's hugging a leper. He's right. not normal. Right. He's not condemning that woman that was thrown down in adultery. And you know that we should stone her. He's right. not normal. Right. Everything he did was backwards because he looked through a a different lens. Mm -hmm. And he's trying through the Beatitudes to help us to look through that lens. Right. He opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5, 2, and 3. Now, to this audience, this teaching was contrary to something that, or totally contrary to what they'd ever heard from a priest or a rabbi. Right, because he says nothing that flatters their pride or feeds their ambition. But there is something new about this teacher, a sort of power that holds them spellbound. Somehow they sense divine love flowing from his very presence. His words fall like rain upon the mown grass as showers that, that water the earth. That's Psalm 72, 6. And- so could you imagine being, um, you know, People were under such, um, you know, the state of of Israel at that time, they were the conquered nation. And I'm sure that a lot of them had, you know, in in everyday life had lost hope, even though they believed that the Messiah was going to come. And then you have this preacher come and say, 
the kingdom is yours. Mm-hmm. But everything everything you have experienced up to that point is contrary to is, that. It says you have nothing and you're worth nothing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's just a total total contradiction uh, because Jesus is Jesus is interested in people. Right. He's not interested in crushing empires. That is a byproduct of him fixing each individual person. Then his kingdom will last forever as long as people allow him into their hearts and allow them allow him to cleanse the temple of their minds. Then the byproduct of that is a kingdom that lasts forever. Right. But it doesn't work the other way. Right. He doesn't go in crushing your enemies. Uh, that's not no. How, hopefully, he goes in and he wins your enemies. Crushes the in, right, enemy inside. Exactly. He here's someone for the first time in Earth's history standing in front of them that can read the secrets of their soul. Yet he'll he still comes near to them with tender compassion. Their hearts are open to him, and as they listen, the Holy Spirit unfolds the message that they need to hear. Can you imagine just being in the presence and he's saying all these things that are just totally something they have never heard before. Right. right. In the days of Christ, the religious leaders of the people felt that they were rich in spiritual treasure. Yeah. The prayer of the Pharisee was, God, I thank you that I am not like the rest of men. That was from Luke 18, 11. That expressed the feeling of his class and to a great degree, the whole nation. Yeah. And so he, he's, he's kind of got, Jesus has kind of got everything stacked against him, um, Right, because those were the leaders, and that's those, how yeah. they represented God. Exactly, and so he enters into this realm where he, the Messiah is not painted in the picture that he shows up in. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and so I think that you know, practically speaking, are we able to, in our own lives as well, in the lives that we participate in, are we able to bring that kingdom? And that yeah. picture of the kingdom, because ultimately, you know, the purpose is to read and to learn and to have our hearts changed, but it's also to be able to pass that teaching on to someone else in a practical manner. Yeah. You yeah. know, so are we able to reach people with that same message? Yeah, because I think, you know, those that those that gravitated to Jesus, there were some of them that had that sense of their spiritual poverty. And, you know, when they saw the miracle of the fish— the evidence of what it did to Peter mm-hmm. when as soon as he saw the miracle of the fish, he falls down at Jesus's feet. And what does he cry? He says, he doesn't say, he doesn't say, let's go get the Romans. What does he say? Depart from me for I am a sinful man. He was in the presence of God and he could see how sinful he was. In the presence of Jesus's purity, we should feel wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked, Revelation three seventeen and should long for that grace of God that brings salvation, salvation, Titus 2.11. Right. Jesus had presented the cup of blessing to those who felt that they were rich and increased with goods and had need of nothing, and they had turned with scorn from the gracious gift. You know, that's one of the—we talked about it last time—the the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh— and pride of life. I'm writing them down here now because I wanted to talk and not forget what I'm doing. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And I think that last one, the pride, the pride is a killer because the person that feels whole, who thinks that he's reasonably good, is content, contented with his condition, 
Well, he's not seeking Christ, and he's not seeking that righteousness. He, pride doesn't feel any need. Mm-hmm. And so it, by default, it closes the heart against Jesus and the, and the infinite, and I say infinite blessings that he came to give, because if he came to give infinite blessings, that, and we're, we are finite, that it doesn't matter how much we know or think we know or how much we think we've arrived, he's an infinite a, in knowledge and love apart from us. Mm-hmm. So it it really doesn't... So so pride, I think, is the big offender. Pride is the problem. Right, because for people um, that have a prideful heart, there's no room for Jesus. So the people that were rich and honorable in their own eyes, you don't ask for faith or for help, and you don't get that blessing of God. They feel that they're fools, so they will go away empty. You know, I, I I heard something the other day. I'm see if I can get it right because I'm gonna have to test my memory now. It's not what I think I know that gets me in trouble. It's what I know for sure that gets me in trouble and is wrong. And that's wrong, right? Because it, it number one of the ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the universe that I admit I know absolutely nothing about. Is there a room for another opinion that I disagree with? Probably. You know what I'm saying? So I think that pride, uh, I don't think we we see how big of a monster it is. How much damage it can do to the character. Yes, and and it causes us to close our heart against Jesus. Um, It causes, and so this is what he's addressing in the Beatitudes, especially the first one, blessed are the poor spirit. Those who know that they cannot possibly save themselves or by themselves do any righteous actions are the ones who appreciate that help that Jesus provides. They are the poor in spirit. They are the learners. There's the one, those are the ones he declares to be blessed. Those are the ones that are teachable. Right. Those are the children that were left in the temple sitting on his lap after he ran the beasts and the money changers out. Those are those with an open heart that are and a willing uh, and a willing spirit teachable to, exactly sponges right soak it up right they don't know everything and they know they don't know everything right and so this is why this is he opens the the, the beatitudes with both barrels right yeah and um whom jesus pardoned he first uh, makes them penitent and in his work of the holy spirit to convince of sin those who hearts who have been moved by the convicting spirit of God see that there is nothing good in themselves. They see that all they have ever done is mingled with self and sin. I, and that is a rude awakening. You get, as What are we, 25 years clean and sober? That stuff's starting to get really uncovered now. That, that I, I've been noticing that almost everything that I do is rooted in selfishness. And uh, so you vacillate between that, okay, I'm still a work in progress, but I'm awfully ugly work in progress. <laughs> right. progress. You know what right. I mean? But that's what it's about, is he wants to get all that selfishness out so that we become helpful, kind people rather than, um, rather than angry, um, finding out what's wrong with the rest of the world, but mm-hmm. nothing's wrong with me people. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. That's where he's at. Right. And so... Um, Jesus is there. He's not. Be, uh, Revelation three says, "Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, I will and open the door. I will come in with him and sup with him, 
And that's what it's talking about. Right. It's an invitation. It's not, um, even though we can be sick individuals, he still desires to come in and to give us a remedy, Yeah, you know, to, to help our minds to become renewed and to be new creatures. Yeah. And that door, that's the door of the heart. It's another object lessons. That door in Revelation chapter, chapter three is the door of the heart the door to the temple of the mind, right. which is the, the title, of course, of this series. And that's why we're talking about it. We see so many object lessons, so many metaphors talking about the temple of the mind and what Jesus wants to do when he comes in and sups with you, has dinner. He wants to come to your house mm-hmm. like Zacchaeus. Right. Come, I'm going to eat at your house. He wants I'm to sit at our table. wants to sit at our table. He said, I just, I'm knocking at the door. I'm not forcing it open. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. And that's kind of what we want to leave you with. We're going to have to wrap it up here, folks. Remember, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle. And you have the freedom to choose. Our Father who art in heaven For listening to the Temple of the Mind on Freedom to Choose, there is truly hope for people whose lives seem to be overrun with problems, unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan Kallenberg are living testimonials that biblical principles do work. They've authored resources available to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook, Seven Steps to Freedom, or the book, Could It Be This Simple, The Way Out of Your Prison? Please call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening, and remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.